Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, NBC's factually challenged News Verification Unit tries to get a conservative website defunded. Big Labor makes it harder to get fired for committing police brutality than for writing about it with less than impeccable left progressive language. And we attempt to unpack the organizational structure of Black Lives Matter. Story was published by the NBC News News Verification Unit. Google, provider of a very large percentage of online advertising, had prohibited Zero Hedge, a nonconformist to occasionally conspiratorial financial blog, and The Federalist, a conservative commentary website, from using its advertising services, allegedly because the sites had written articles critical of Black Lives Matter demonstrators. Now, apparently nobody verified the news verification unit, because Google later said that it hadn't done that, at least in the case of The Federalist. Instead, Google had advised The Federalist to take down its comment section, which the website did, though its publisher has said he will reinstate it. The News Verification Unit reporter, Adele Mamako-Fraser, isn't exactly the most verifiable source, it must be said. In a now-deleted tweet, Mamako-Fraser thanked the Center for Countering Digital Hate and Stop Funding Fake News, a British radical left group and its affiliated corporate censorship campaign, for their, quote, hard work and collaboration. Mamako-Fraser herself is a former activist for radical left member of parliament Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party and senior figures with the Center for Countering Digital Hate are prominent labor activists, operatives, and even members of parliament. Conservatives largely responded with understandable outrage. Google has close ties to the Democratic Party. Former executive chairman Eric Schmidt has been affiliated with a number of liberal advocacy projects and is a major Democratic donor. So the apparent targeting of right-leaning commentary at the urging of British radical left activists drew harsh criticism. Senator Josh Hawley, a populist Missouri Republican and critic of the Section 230 protections that exempt companies like, to choose randomly, the Google-owned YouTube from defamation liability for user-created content like comment sections, took note of the company's attempt to sanction the Federalist for its comment section, and introduced legislation to compel large tech firms to apply content moderation in a good-faith fashion if they wish to retain the Section 230 protections. Google, like the other major technology companies Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and Netflix, is a practitioner of the socially liberal woke capitalism. But Google's woke allies also really hate the capitalism part of that equation. In that case, it might be helpful to have regular capitalist allies to help protect a major company from political interference. However, if Google doesn't change its approach to hang on to those allies, Google risks finding few defenders when social conservatives like Hawley and economic statists like Senator Elizabeth Warren, who has proposed breaking up large technology firms under antitrust law, come after them. Counting on conservatives to stick to their free market economic principles over brute practicality and political need is a fool's errand, as anybody who has looked at the national debt lately can attest. In today's insane climate, it takes a week for the woke progressive mob to oust an editor at the New York Times for allowing a sitting U.S. senator to use the paper's pages to present an idea supported by something like 60% of the public. But Florida's worst cop keeps getting reinstated, despite three arrests and six attempted firings. Wasn't all that demonstrating about police accountability? The dichotomy, pithily identified by Twitter personality Neontaster, arises from a tale of two labor unions. The radical, woke-progressive private sector labor unions that organize the writers and staff of the New York Times, and the overly powerful police unions that defend bad cops accused of clear incidents of police brutality and other criminal and corrupt activities. In the case of the newspaper editor, the News Guild of New York, an arm of the radical left-aligned Communications Workers of America, 
provided guidance to the internal mob that sought to purge the liberal editor who gave space on the page to Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, who had proposed potential U.S. military support to cities suffering from civil unrest and rioting. This demonstrated, yet again, that labor unions cannot and will not be friends of social conservative interests. Instead, they function as an arm of the woke mob, seeking to coerce a radical social liberal consensus on American workers. Meanwhile, the cop unions behave like, well, any government worker union. They protect their members and their money at the expense of taxpayers and the general public. That's how you get processes like the one that played out in New York City, wherein the city took five years to finally fire the officer whose unapproved chokehold killed Eric Garner, or the one that has led to the serial reinstatement of Florida's worst cop. And that brings us to Black Lives Matter. The phrase can be a simple expression of a literal fact, that black people's lives matter. It can express political support for various policing and social changes, some with conservative and cross-party support. Or it can refer to any of a tangled web of sometimes radical left political advocacy groups, as my colleague Robert Stilson details at CapitalResearch.org. Stilson argues that Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation is probably the central Black Lives Matter organization. It claims the three left-wing activists who first used the phrase politically, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi, as its co-founders, and it runs BlackLivesMatter.com. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation is a project of the left-wing entity Thousand Currents. Tax documents show substantial gifts to Thousand Currents from the Global Network Foundation, including from the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, Borealis Philanthropy, and the Novo Foundation of Warren Buffett's son Peter. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation is the center of a network of 16 regional Black Lives Matter affiliate organizations, many of which are sponsored by other left progressive nonprofits. Also serving as a clearinghouse for Black Lives Matter activism is the Movement for Black Lives, the project of the radical left Alliance for Global Justice. The Movement for Black Lives and Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation do appear to share a common history, and there is some level of organizational overlap between the two. Black Lives Matter Boston, for example, is listed as a chapter of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, while also explaining on its website that, quote, Black Lives Matter Boston remains committed to being active in the Movement for Black Lives and its broad mission platform. As an entity, Movement for Black Lives is perhaps best known for the extremist left-wing platform it endorsed in 2016, which, among other things, deemed America an, quote, empire that uses war to expand its territory and power, condemned Israel as an apartheid state, endorsed universal government payments to Americans based on past racial and ethnic injustices, and even proposed the disruption of the nuclear family. Given the level of radicalism in some prominent groups operating under the Black Lives Matter banner, those who support the general sentiment that black people's lives matter, or who support moderate policing reforms, like to choose one busting police unions, should be very careful in tracking where any financial or advocacy support they give to the movement is in fact going. That's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.